All right, can we take, just take our declaration of, let's rise to our feet, just do that. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. And now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And let me pray for you that today God will give you a special word in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray for you that understanding will come to you in a greater measure than before. So you come again today in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I pray that every affliction will be driven away by the entrance of this word today. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Every confusion will be driven away. Amen. Now, listen to this. Many times, and I say this again and again because it's the truth. Many times the problem is that we don't realize we are doing something that is wrong. We are taking steps that are incorrect. Now, one of the things God does for the people that he loves is to give them direction. That correction, that direction, you will receive it today in the name of Jesus Christ. Clarity, clear word, clear direction will come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Confidence, because listen, nothing you see on this earth is just physical. Everything is spiritually determined. Um, Neville Johnson, I keep quoting that. He says somebody asked him, can demons read your mind? And he said, they don't have to. They can see your spiritual radiation. If you are living in fear, they can feel it. If the confidence of God is in you, it will repel them away from around you. Now that confidence, it will enter you today by this word in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You will not be afraid of the dust around you. Amen. Yeah, there are people who are afraid of dust. There are people who can't leave their homes. They can't, to breathe air, they are afraid because somebody told them the virus is flying around. But that fear, it will not be your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. God will give you the confidence of faith that brings forth victory in the lives of his children. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now let's continue again, of course, looking at the issue of what salvation is. We said this is what salvation is. That's what we have been looking at. And today I want us to start from the book of Romans chapter 8. Please open your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 8. We can't explain these things enough. We keep on repeating ourselves so that we'll understand, so that we can contemplate who Jesus is and what he has done for us by his life, by his death, and by his resurrection. We're separated from God. We're alienated from him. We're outside the covenant of God. We were, you know, enemies of God, essentially. We were alien to the covenant of promise. We were not the people of God. Why? He said, all we like sheep have gone astray. That is just the fundamental thing about it. It is because of rebellion. Rebellion is the reason why people are enemies of God. It's simple. Look, that's what it is. He said, death passed from Adam because, that is, up to Moses. He said, because all men sinned. What was he trying to explain? There is none righteous, none righteous, no, not one. 
everyone has gone his own way. That's what Isaiah said. He said, all we like sheep, we have gone astray. Each one of, of us has gone his own way. Then what God did was to lay his, the iniquity of us all on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is what we are discussing. That's, the fun, that's, the, that's where we started from, the rebellion, the eating of the tree, or, of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We have explained that what that means is that God, um, we said to him, you will not rule our lives. We said to him, we will make our decisions. We said to him that we will do the things that we consider right and we will not do the ones that we consider wrong. It does not matter what you think. So if you tell us that this is how you want us to lead our lives in marriage, if we don't like it, we will do what we want. If you say that this is how, how you want us to live our lives when it comes to human sexuality, if we don't like it, we will reject what you have said. We will do our own research, all right? And then we will decide what we believe is right and reject the one that we believe is wrong. Your opinion does not matter. That is basically what rebellion means. That's what it means to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Please, that's very important we understand it. So that's why whether you have killed somebody or not does not stop you from being a sinner. Do you follow my point? That is why no one can be justified in the presence of God. That is why you cannot say really that you are better than somebody else. The reason is that what God is judging is not the fact that you are more, um, uh, you are more honest when you are doing business. Sometimes your so-called honesty is actually your own pride that is talking. I, I mean, I worked in a place many years ago, shortly after I left school, and my chief medical director said something once, that before he gave his life to Christ, he never stole the hospital's money, didn't steal government's money. He said, but what was the reason? I was in his office, we were discussing, because I was a Christian, so I had access to him. You know, somebody introduced us. What was the reason? He said, because of pride. It wasn't out of honesty. It felt too big. What money are we talking about? Why would I come to your level and be scheming how much from, how much I'm going to steal from this hospital? If I do, do you know, that was his own mindset. But you'll be looking, and that's like, listen to me, before you start admiring people, <laughs> you don't know what is driving them. You don't know what is driving them. That's why when I tell you, somebody, that, that some people behave funny. They say, this man is a genuine man of God. They say, why? They say, he's sharing rice. He's sharing rice. He makes him a genuine man of God. They are sharing rice and they have brought television camera to show it. You know, somebody's doing some. Sometimes you see very successful people in the world. They are billionaires. Some of them, they are multi-millionaires. They are getting up and going around and doing stuff. You don't know why they are doing what they are doing. And that is what God is judging, the why. No matter how good something looks outside, God does not necessarily judge it as good. Think about it. Saul went to battle against Amalek. And then, you know, they, in fact, there's another king that went to battle, and they, that was Ahab. Ahab went to battle. They told him, they told, the other king was told that the kings of Israel are kind people. And really, kindness is good. If you see, when God wanted to dis, uh, discipline Assyria, the reason why he disciplined Assyria was because when he sends Assyria against a nation, Assyria will carry out the judgment of God, then go beyond what God wanted. In wickedness. And God judged him for that. If you go and read the, the judgment against all of those countries, Edom and Co., uh, that um, Amos prophesied concerning, 
you will see it was because of how they treated people when they went to battle, some of them. I hope you're getting my point. So it makes sense, therefore, for you to say kindness is good. So Saul went to battle. In the kindness that Israel, the kings of Israel were known for later, he spared the life of Agag, the king of the Amalekites. But God said, this is disobedience like the sin of witchcraft. So if you had judged it from the surface, you would have said Saul was a good person. But God said, this man was what? Disobedient. So let's be very careful, you know, because a lot of Christians will get swayed into this good, do-goodism. Can I use that expression? You know, this, this do-good, do-good, humanism. We get swayed by it. If somebody that appears kind, 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 and you are wondering, how can you tell me this one is not going to heaven? If your kindness is genuine, supposedly, and does not lead you to the face of Christ Jesus, I doubt that kindness. Are you getting my point? I seriously doubt it. If your kindness is really genuine, maybe appears genuine, yet it does not lead you to the face of Christ Jesus, I doubt the kindness. I'm not sure you are truly kind. Because if indeed you were kind, the way God said people should be kind, God is very good. Somebody say amen. amen. He will lead you to that faith of Christ Jesus. That's what he does. He will lead you to the faith of Christ Jesus. If indeed your, your kindness was genuine. That's what he did with Cornelius. The kindness of Cornelius was genuine. So the angel came to him and said, let me show you the way of salvation. I hope you're getting my point here. So let's be careful. Don't get swayed by human goodness. God uses the goodness, apparent goodness of people for his own um, purposes. I've seen many people, you know, very common with, um, in fact, when we started, that was what initiated the study we did that time in the book of Ecclesiastes. Because one day I studied the book of Ecclesiastes and I saw clearly the parallel between what Solomon described and the lives of people that I see these days, especially famous people that are very well-to-do. I saw it. What Solomon described, I was just reading that book of Ecclesiastes, you just see it in the lives of people exactly. What do I mean? Initially, the problem is money. They want to be successful. So they strive, they strive, they strive, they get that money. They make a movie for $10 million. They make another movie, $20 million. After a while, they, each, they, they, they are guaranteed that they will earn $40 million in a year. So they don't have the same reason to get up as an average person. After a while, like one of my brothers will say, when you have solved the money problem, you will now know the real problems of life. Because you don't have now, you are occupied with it, so you think this is what life is about. He said, one day you will solve that one. You now know that God kept you occupied so that you won't see real trouble. So many of them get to that point, and then the next thing they start doing is, you see them, okay, first they go for you know, things like, um, they become religious. But because they reject the faith of Christ Jesus, the religion that absorbs them easily is, is um, you know, this Eastern religion, what they call New Age. They start doing meditations. You now hear that the man has joined Christian science. All kinds of things will be going on in their lives. All in a search for meaning. But the other one I'm coming to is that after a while, you see, they will now become aggressive philanthropists. Poor Africa. They use Africa to massage their, their deficiencies. 
to, you know, to fulfill their deficiencies. Once they find a Somali child that is sick, they are happy. Fly all the way to Congo and go and build one school and then put it on Instagram. Be doing good works all over Africa. Personally, I get a bit offended by that. I'm sorry. If you want to do your good works, do it in secret. When, you won't come and do good works in Enugu because when you put it on, on social media, it doesn't look good. Imagine you came to donate $10,000 to Pastor Panky. People will be confused. As I'm receiving the money from you, I will not smile for you for any camera. Then when you see the environment we are in, it doesn't look nice. It doesn't, it doesn't catch. We have to go look for one child that's wearing tattered shirt, living in a hut, then drill a borehole for them. And one single white person will now stand there and now say all the villagers will now be clapping. That a confused soul came to massage his or her deficiency by giving us a borehole. And I say, people now say, these people are the ones doing, doing good. <laughs> you don't know the person is sick inside the soul. I said, let me look for something to live for. No love for those people at all. It's a personal sickness the fellow is curing. I hope you're getting my point. So you'll be surprised that God will classify that individual with a murderer. And so, but when you use human judgment, you don't understand it. Because what God is judging is all we like sheep have gone astray. Each Each of us has gone his own way. That's what God is judging. It is not whether the thing looks bad or good to the eyes of the normal person. It's did you go your own way or you are going God's way. When Saul refused to fully destroy the Amalekites, he went his own way. I hope you're getting my point. When Ahab spared that particular king, forgotten the witch king now, he went his own way. So even though they looked kind in the eyes of the United Nations, even though they will have looked kind in the eyes of the enemies, Jesus said, God said, they have gone how? Their own way. Their direction is their own way. So they have been alienated from God. And let me say something to you all again. You now say, what, so what is the problem with this God self? Let me say something. God is eternally just. Everything he does is right. And I don't mean just because we can't say he's not right, but because actually he's right. Let me explain to you. If you go your own way, today you appear kind. I give you and your descendants two generations. At the end of two generations, your descendants will be mean. At the end of two generations, they will be animals. At the end of two generations, they will be carnivals. At the end of two generations, they will have no human feeling. Why? There is none good but God. Every goodness comes out of God. I like the way David Paulson explained it once. That he went to a particular place to go and preach. And you know, there are hecklers, you know, people who just um, they like to disturb. Finally, he allowed one of them to speak because he put up his hand. And the man was trying to prove to David Paulson that we don't need religion. That we can be good without your religion. We can be good without your Jesus Christ. We can be good in ourselves. And the man gave himself as an example. That go to my office, go to my neighborhood, and check the kind of person I am. I don't come to your church. I don't believe in your Christ Jesus. But in my neighborhood, they know me. I'm the man to go to if they have problems. In my office, I'm the one that stands up for everybody. Basically, the man was saying, I am good. What do I need to take from your religion to make me better all right, than I am? David Paulson says, as the man was speaking, he was praying. 
And the Lord suddenly gave him a word of knowledge. And he realized that that man was raised by his grandfather. And his grandfather used to go to church. So he said to, to, to the man, I forgot the exact words he used. The man said, I don't go to church. He said, but your grandfather did. The man sat down. Tears came out in his eyes. He said to them, when goodness, godliness disappears in one generation, goodness disappears in the next. Let me say that again. He said, when godliness disappears in one generation, goodness disappears in the next. What was he trying to say? The goodness you see that appears like good now is like a car that was running fast, suddenly ran out of fuel. If you look at it for the next few seconds, it's still doing 150 kilometers an hour. It's still doing, for the sake of those who do miles, it's still doing over 100 miles an hour, maybe. But just watch it for a little longer. You will notice it starts slowing down. You start slowing down. And that's why you will look at a place like Sodom and Gomorrah. They were known for two things, and they were judged for those two things. One of them was their sexual perversion. And number two, they were mean to the poor. They were mean to to strangers. If you remember, that was why Lot told those angels, he did not know they were angels, please come out of the square. It's a dangerous place to be. Come into my home. And while they were in his home, this man still came there. And if you've read stories, not, not strict by a Bible story, the other historical accounts, I heard the story of one man that was judging, a judge in that city. A man struck another one, and he bled. So he took the matter to the judge. Maybe he had been bribed or something. He ruled against the man that was assaulted. That that man did him a favor by letting blood, because bloodletting was a way of treatment those days. So I hit you, you bled. I said, so the judge said that you should pay me for injuring you. After all, I have done some bloodletting for you. A doctor will have done it with, at some expense. That's the kind of thing that comes into the lives of those who are godless. Initially, they, are, they will brag about their goodness. After a few generations, they are not different from animals. They live by their instincts. They only do the things that please them or you know, that, that helps them. They become, that is, at a point in time, they will not even have compassion on their own children. These are the results of godlessness. So when you want to see, one of the things I quarrel with people about is when they're analyzing, and I keep on saying Christians, be careful when you're analyzing nations of this earth. If you see a nation, listen, I tell a typical African now, please, your first choice of emigration must not be Europe. And I'll tell you my reason. Because of godlessness. If it is now you want to get up and go to Europe, you, start, you started too late. Because the godless spirit has taken over that continent. And one of two things is going to happen, all right? One is that God has to come back and purge it and purge the continent harshly. That's one. I don't know whether that's one or two, but, but let, me just, let me just give you all the options. Or somewhere along the line, you will see it. What looks beautiful to you today will decay in one generation. You will not be able to believe it. If God wants to purge, he purges with distress, natural disasters, wars, epidemics one after the other. People will start running. And listen to me, he will do it. I'm not imagining it. I've said it many times. 
There is no God that is alive. You will treat like that, he will not kick you out of his land. He said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Every prosperous economy belongs to God. If you eat his food for two generations and you don't say thank you, he will starve all of you. I am not mincing words about it. I'm not joking about it. So if you see, if you come to the midst of people who are habitually unthankful, if you cannot teach them thanksgiving, get out. Because the time shall come. That the, you know what God said? The earth is, the, is mine. And the fullness thereof. The cattle on the thousand hills. Everything on this earth belongs to me. The beautiful apple orchards, they belong to me. Your fruitful dairy farms, they belong to me. If you eat my food again and again, you don't say thank you. I will fill your mouth with gravel. Let me say this again. The problem in the world today is the do good, no, no, the feel good gospel that we churches have decided that that's what we'll be preaching. Because to say the kind of things I'm saying is not good. Your church will not be big. People will not come. They will attack you on social media. They will deny you visas. You get to the borders of some countries, they won't let you go. They won't let you go in. And that is the problem we have in the church. And they will believe they lie. I will, let me attack that again. We have believed this lie. It is a lie. It is a lie. It is a lie. It is a lie that God does not judge. It is a lie that God does not punish. It is a lie that God does not kill. It is a lie that God does not avenge. To, for somebody, anybody tells us in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ, the dispensation has changed. God is only kind, kind, kind. He is no longer just the person lied. You are a lawyer. If you hear there's a judge, that any, any, any accused you take before him, he will acquit. Would that make sense? Won't the state prosecutors, they will petition the National the Nigerian Judicial Council to have the man sacked. Why? It's not about being good. We bring you a murderer. You say, not guilty. Discharged and acquitted. We bring you a rapist. You say, not guilty. Discharged and acquitted. We, build, we bring you somebody who has embezzled all the money that belongs to everybody. You say not guilty. He say why? He say hey, I can't send him to jail. When I saw his face, I felt sorry for his wife. You are not a good judge. You are not just. You are not just. A just God has a duty to punish disobedience. A just God has a duty to punish Iniquity. A just God will do it. And this interesting part. He has said it all over the scriptures that he will. Yet we will just get up. How we read this Bible, I don't know. Is it that show me someone in the New Testament? Where I said, is revelation in your own Middle Testament or Old Testament? Because in my Bible, it is not only in the New Testament, it is the newest of the new. Is it not? Is that, the, that is? Before Revelation was written. Almost all the, no, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the other episodes had been written. John was old. For your information, John was one of the youngest among disciples of Jesus Christ. All the other ones are scattered, they had been killed. As an old man, that was when he was taken to Patmos. And then he saw the visions and wrote letters. I think that should be the newest of the new books of the Bible. New, New Testament. 
Yet, that New Testament, that new Revelation des- described the anger, not of God, but of Jesus Christ, the Son. Why? Because the Father judges no man. He has given all judgment to the hands of the Son. Now listen to what I'm going to say. I said, you've heard me say before, Jesus came the first time smiling. When he comes again, you will not see his title. What you will find is flame jumping out of his eyes. What you find is his sword in his hands against his enemies. So the world should be told. It pains me. I watch TV every day. If any preacher says coronavirus is the anger of God, there are two people that are against him. One, preachers who say God does not punish people. They are all over the place. God is not judgmental. God is kind. God is good. They forget that at the same time they are saying he is not just. At the same time they are saying that he tolerates iniquity. They say Jesus Christ died for our sins. For me, are you out of your mind? Even though he died for our sins, does, did he die for the sins of those that refused to believe? They did not die for the sins of Jerusalem, yet 40 years after his resurrection, the Romans came according to his commandment and leveled the city. You know our problem? Let me be honest. Our major problem is we, we ourselves, we are afraid. Because when indignation comes, you know what I found out? If God comes forth with indignation, even the righteous is affected. They may not be killed. The disease may not take them. But he will say you can't do business. Go and hide yourself for a little while until the indignation is over. Hiding for a little while, keeping out of business, socializing for two years is not nice. We don't like it too, but he does that. Goshen, Goshen in the Bible, they were spared from the judgments of um, Egypt. So they that spare their businesses when they were being patronized by Egyptians? I don't know where I get my point. Those who worked for Egyptians could not go to work. They had to remain in Goshen. Because if you left Goshen, you went into the judgment zone. Nobody wants it. So it's easy for us to be preaching that God does not, God does not. But listen to me, I give you the word of God today. God kills, he gets angry. The land still vomits of the inhabitants thereof. He still brings forth calamity upon those who eat his food and they don't say thank you. Listen, he still sends wasting diseases into their midst. He still does that. Does God not forgive? Of course he does. But you just need to repent first. His forgiveness does not cover those who don't repent. Let me say this to you again. Every beautiful thing you see on this earth belongs to the Lord. You see beautiful buildings, beautiful roads, beautiful economies all over Europe, the Western world, it belongs to God. And if for two generations they persistently say there is no God, let me tell you, he will withdraw his spirit and they will expire. That's why I say Christian, I say be a Christian indeed. When you want to make judgment concerning what is good, what is bad, don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah. Lots Many of us are very lotic in our thinking. We are very lotic and lotish in our assessment of things. Towards the Bible, is just a book of moral instructions. We don't believe these true historical accounts in there. Neither do we believe that the God of justice, the things he did that time, he can still do today. Otherwise, before we enter into Sodom and Gomorrah, we will pray twice. 
We will check again and again. I will not let the law of Euro drag us up and down. We will understand that Lot, one day got out of here, got, it left with nothing. Listen to me. There's a principle about God. If, if the conditions that produced the first Lot, them, Sodomic and Gomorrah judgment, if it arises again, if they arise again and they persist, a similar judgment shall come again. Did you hear what I said? I have a feeling. God is waiting for the church to wake up before it terminates what is going on right now. One of my sending me a message today just before I came here to preach. He said, oh, but I got back to work today. And 70% of my patients are COVID-19 positive. And listen, this is United States of America. He said, and there's a shortage of PPEs. Did you hear what I said? So I said to him, my brother, we are praying with you. The Lord is your protector. He said, I got to work. 70% of my patients, they tested all of them. 70% were positive for COVID-19. And we healthcare giver, I say, doctor, we can't get enough masks and face, you know, gloves and body suits and all of that. He said, we have a shortage of it. And in a kind of <laughs> condition in which Donald Trump and many governments, you hear that they are opening up, opening up Europe. And then, can you imagine New York quarantining against another American state? Two days ago, the governor said, if you are coming from eight American states, you have to go into quarantine before you can enter New York. They keep on opening Europe. Why? If you don't open, economy will crash. So what do we do? I have my feeling that except the church rises up and starts telling them the truth. Let's stop painting God what he is not. Our God is good, amen? Our God is kind, amen? amen. He raises the dead, amen? amen? But let's say this also, he also kills the living. That's how I was going. The amen, amen was to warm you up to where my main message was. was. Why did I go into that? That's where we began from. This alienation from God. When people have been alienated, not because they did what they thought was evil initially, it's because once you separate yourself from God, you are going downwards. Godliness disappears in one generation. Goodness disappears in the next. By the third generation, the people are animals. What many of us don't realize, because sometimes when you see the commandments that God will give, and they will tell a certain set of people like the Israelites, when you get to that land, kill everybody. It's hard to... to the modern mind can't understand it. But if you understand God, you know he's always good. He's always kind. He never does what is wrong. His ways are always just. Everything he does is always right. I can give you what I understand. God said, those people, they have become animals. There's no goodness in them. Not one. That is, God will go to a whole city. 
a city of a hundred thousand people, and he will tell his angels, watch. I am going to allow one young girl, 18 years old or 16 years old, pass through this city by 6 p.m. Just watch. Then you see men begin to assault her, and I will make all the elders in the city pass. If I see one elder that says stop, I will spare the city. Many of us don't realize. When he said concerning Lot, uh, um, uh, when he and Abraham spoke, he said, if I find ten righteous people, you know what we're expecting? Ten people who will say, in the name of Jesus, this morning we pray for Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what we're thinking. Let me tell you what I know. That's not what God was looking for. When he said ten righteous, he said, we are going to go to their judiciary. All right? They have 200 judges. We will watch them preside over cases. Let me see one judge that does not take a bribe. And they will look, 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 look. And the angels will be recording. And they will push one man to offer a bribe. They will show that this guy is seriously at fault. But he will give you money. Because I just want to see the judge that will say no. And he won't find. They are police, right? Let's go there. How many police officers? They will say 1,000. I want to just count for me one that does not take a bribe. And they will watch those policemen for days. And they will be checking them. And they find out all of them take bribes. He said, good. Let's go to their religious assemblies. Now, can I borrow modern day terminologies? Let's look at their pastors. They say they go to church, right? Now, how many pastors do they have? They say 200. So, right. I want to see one that does not lie with my word. I want to see one that does not commit adultery. Just one. I'm not saying the one that prays money afternoon and night. I'm just saying that when he wants to speak, he speaks the truth. I will count him as one of the righteous. They went through Sodom and Gomorrah. They checked men. They checked women. They checked all the adults. There was not one that was good. Not one. Because what do you think? And they were looking for ten. The only people that they found that was a bit sin were in the house of Lot. Lot was the only human being in the whole region that would see a stranger at night and help. So God said, what do you want me to do? Abraham understood. God, you have no choice. I'm not talking about whether I want them to die or not. But I've come to understand there is no option. There is no option. I remember when I was in school, you know, as a young medical in those days, you will see something that will bring tears to your eyes. And a man had diabetic gangrene. It was our first early days in the clinical side. So we were going for ward rounds. And I remember our lecturer at that time. We got to the man's bed. And he was talking matter of factly. Giving us lectures, teaching us. The man was there crying. I remember the man. A school principal. Educated man. No, no. I think no, that was another person. But this was also an educated man. I'm mixing two stories now. But let me stick with this one. Yes. So finally the man just said, all right, booking for sorry tomorrow. I'm, remo- I'm removing the leg from above the knee. No, from below the knee. Now this is I'm telling the story. That man broke into tears. You know? And he begs, says, sir, please, spare my leg. And the man looked very nicely at him. He says, sir, that's my desire too. He said that. He said, that's what I want to do, but I can't. He said, I can't. Next day, they took the man's leg off from below the knee. We came the following week. He said, booking for next day. That did not work. I'm taking it from the middle of the thigh. Next week, he removed from the middle of the thigh. 
We came the following week. He said, that did not work. I'm giving him one more week. If I don't see improvement, I will remove him from his hip. This guy is extremely nice. He was one of our nicest lecturers. If you ever had somebody that, anyway, let me not go into details to describe him. Many people have encountered him. He left our school, went to Lagos, set up a beautiful practice there, and a lot of Nigerians would have encountered him for certain reasons. Let me not go into details now. Nice man. Very nice. We liked him. But he told that man, I'm sorry, I don't have a choice. I ne- Listen to this. I need to spare your life. I don't know what he did because after that, our posting ended. We left his unit and went somewhere else. I watched this. Listen, what am I telling the story? God looked at someone and Gomorrah. He said, Abraham, what do you want me to do? Can you spare them? Abraham said, he looked at Abraham and said, they can't be spared. Let me prove it to you. Many of us have used Abraham's story, all right, to explain intercession. And we're not wrong, really. But we don't understand another side of it. Intercession, yes, one part. The second part was the demonstration of his righteousness. One thing God does, go and read Romans chapter 3, is that there must be a demonstration of his righteousness, that he may be just. It's so important. It has to be shown that he's just. So what, when Jesus came, all right, yeah, Jesus, he came, and he wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He stopped by Abraham's house. He said, Abraham, let me show you something. You will see that my judgment is just. My judgment is just. Abraham, so he, I mean, the Holy Spirit just pushed Abraham. Beg him. Abraham said, what if you find 50 righteous? This is how I interpret it. Abraham, look at me. If there were 50 righteous, you think I will come from heaven? Abraham said, what, is, what about 20? Okay, I kept on coming down until it got to 20. And Jesus looked and said, if I find 20, okay. Bros, don't worry. I will spare the place. Abraham said, okay, I beg. Just one man. I'm not going to talk after this one. What if you find 10? Jesus said, if there were 10 there, I would not have come down. The report I have is that there's not 10. Let me tell you what I will do. The people that have a little good in them, I will spare them for your sake. Lot and his household. But listen to me, even them, they were not pure. His wife left Sodom, but she has Sodom inside her. That was why she turned to a pillar of salt. The children left Sodom, but Sodom had a few things inside them, and the remnant of Sodom persecuted the people of God for centuries after. What was God saying to Abraham? You can see. Me too, I want to spare them. But can I? Abraham said, we can't find ten righteous. There's not more I can ask for. Spare my people. God said, I will. Not just because you ask, but because there's something good left inside them. So he spared all of them because he asked, but Sodom pulled back the ones that could not leave, Lot's wife. Please, I hope you're getting my point here. Because God is always just. That's what happens when people go their own way. If you see a people going their own way, and if they look like they are not planning to turn back, let me tell you again. Sodom's judgment varies from generation to generation for certain reasons. But that judgment will not come is a lie. No matter how strong they are right now, they are going down. If they continue to eat his food. You know, there's a way God has, you know, there's a way he plants judgment against people. He said, no, 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 I'll keep on giving them rain because I will count that rain against them. I will continue to give them food. 
Because I'm going to count every morsel of bread they eat against them. The economy will remain strong. But every single car they produce and sell, I will count against them. That was the reason they should have said thank you. All I wanted was for them to say, it is the Lord that gives us the power to create wealth. We are nothing in ourselves. For them to just say thank you. But they won't. So I give them over to foolishness. You know, somebody circulated something to some of our, some of our people a few days ago. They said, please fill this question here. I've not opened it. Because discussion, people have, you know, from, like I told my classmates from university, we're in different parts of the world, you know, of course, uh, Nigeria, America, and um, UK is where most of us are. But people are in you know, Canada, South Africa, different parts. So people are just chatting about it. That wasn't that this your question? How long will we spend filling the questionnaire? But that's not my gist. My gist was that somebody now said, wait, what is this one with gender assigned at birth? You know, you fill your own statistics. Age range, they'll tell whether you are between 30 and 35, you know, those kind of things. You tick. Then instead of male or female, they wrote gender assigned at best. So we quarrel started there. Say, so what kind of nonsense is this one? International questionnaire. So the guy who was part of the study team in Lagos was begging us, guys, please. That they had fights over that. They couldn't sway the Europeans. Just put male and female. That's what we are used to. That's what God said. Male and female created them, not assigned them gender when they discovered them. <laughs> one of my friends is, the, is in the UK. He said, which kind of wallah be this one? He said, nobody asked me whether I was male or female. They just lifted it, opened my legs up, looked, decided what was there, and they wrote it down. Which one is assignment? Something we all know. Of course, we have to do, you know, Take deliveries as medical students. All the hospitals we walked in is the standard practice. A woman finishes delivering, you open the baby's leg and say, male or female? The mother will say, male or female. They want her to identify by herself. They now say, they now say which one was he assigned to? I think it's in Sweden or one part of Europe that it has become against the law to tell a child whether he's male or female. Oh, yes, I, I know you're looking for visas. If you go there, you should know that God has designed you Either to be a missionary that will die while preaching to other people, or wants to smoke you in Sodom. That is, children, countries are writing laws. Not a particular county in UK. I said, the UK, this is my understanding of it. God decided to spare them a bit, so he cut them away from the European Union to reduce the influence. Because a particular, you know, in UK, a particular county, it really happened. They outlawed the wearing of skirts in schools, so that you cannot tell who's a boy, who's a girl. That it is wrong to, to gender stereotype people. Then your people will tell you the educational system there is good. You know, I always ask, either you are mad or I'm mad. Two of us are not sane. No, one of us has to be crazy. One of us has to be crazy. If for you, all you know is that uh, they have computer in class, they, they have screen, they have screen. You know what I found out? There is not, listen, I'm not lying, I'm not exaggerating. There is nothing they know my children don't know. Not more than they, what do you know? What is it? Don't our people get up there and go and be getting the best, best results? Somebody educated in this Nigeria all his life gets to that place at the age of 16. By the age of 21, 
first class graduate, the best graduate student. Ah, uh-uh. we don't you see it all the time? Best mathematics students we saw the other day, they were Nigerians. Come on, forget all this nonsense. With all of that they are doing, they don't know book as much as Asians. When it comes to mathematics, Koreans defeat them any day. Koreans, Japanese, when they sit down with mathematics, I, in case you want to know, one of the reasons why it's like that is that the, your father will tell you, sit down and read. If you get up, you flog a bomb. Mathematics will enter your head by force. Why not compete with people that their father could not talk to? Why won't you defeat them? I'm, what I'm telling you is not a joke. That in certain countries, it's now, it's not, it's now against the law to tell children whether they are boys or girls. So what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to discover as they go, up, go on. You have been peeing into the toilet standing. You will not discover that you're 16, that you're a boy. All of you, you, you see, you know. <laughs> That's why Paul said God gave them over to madness. The privity of their minds. There are things that to you to be common sense, yet you see elders sit down and legislate against common sense. Which is why I keep on speaking against the government of Barack Obama till tomorrow. That a man will sit down and say a child should be allowed in the schools to use the bathroom of his gender identity. Which means we are going to go and ease ourselves. You see my son, Dick Benga, who now say I'm going to the female toilet. You look at Benga, wait, excuse me. Hey, daddy, I will call. Now, what I want to say is not a joke. He can call police for you. And you know what I'm going to tell you? That you want your child to commit suicide by not recognizing his gender identity. That he says he's a girl trapped in this strong masculine body. And God said, it's not their fault anymore. I was the one that withdrew my spirit from them. Now they are expiring. <laughs> I'm going to emphasize to us what it means to be separated from God. It is a process. It starts the person, and just by the way, that's why one would tell Christians, single men, single women, say, listen, you want to marry, marry a believer. I, I don't care how nice he is. He's a non-believer, he's a non-believer. You're not marrying him. You're not marrying her too. It's not, it's not only me, me, him, sorry. If a man comes to you, you are doubting his faith, run. Marriage is not always better than being single. I'm not the one saying it, it's the Bible. Solomon said it is better to dwell in the corner of a roof alone than to come and live in a home where there is, you know, strife. So you see, alone can be better than the wrong pair. Let me draw this. We'll go back to our, the, main, the teaching. The most important thing every Christian man, single man and woman should know is whether this fellow's faith is genuine or it is not. That is the most important thing. All this one you are sending people to go and verify this, very check the family, whether they have money, whether they have madness, whether they have M, all these M things. Don't worry about it though. The thing you need to know 
is, is this fellow's faith genuine? If it is not, I know there are many, I've heard so many Christians, mostly women, I'm sorry, ladies, nothing against you, just that they are the ones that have done some of these evils. Mob means of fellowships marrying cocaine pushers. My friend told me that many years ago in this city. A girl who on campus, she was, she was judged spiritual enough to be made the woman leader on campus, in the campus fellowship. She got married. And who did she marry? A drug dealer. He said, maybe she, she did not know, which was a thing I would have thought of also. He said, but that's not what happened. You know how you know that's not what happened? The women in the church excommunicated her mother for it. I don't know where I get my point. That is, the women in this village knew. They could know. How won't you know? So they said, Mama, lie, lie, we will not take this. We won't come for the wedding. You are not going to be part of our members. One of our members. If you can give your daughter over to that human being, There was one girl that time also, good Christian she was supposed to be, married a man because he was a very rich politician and she became a second wife. Do you understand? There are things that when you hear Christians, did you say it's a lie? The first wife was alive and well, not divorced. Not that, you know, their wife, okay, maybe they separated. We're arguing over, is it right for him to remarry? No, 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 no. But the man had the reputation that he could. He could run you mental with money. He used to, ch- to chase girls. He dashed them 10,000 pounds. Like, okay, talk to me. Ah, I just want to talk to you. Now, I'm not looking for anything. Okay, let's go and eat. If you eat with me, I'll give you 10,000 pounds. That's the kind of thing he used to do. Pastors will now preach to her. Don't worry. Your salvation is intact. You know, I don't know this. gospel will preach. Let me tell you what Jesus said. If you deny me, I will deny you. That's not, that's not in Ezekiel. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's not in the book of Ezekiel. If that's the Old Testament Bible. <laughs> somebody say, where's the book of Ezekiel? It doesn't matter. <laughs> or like somebody say, open to the book of Nicodemus chapter 5. <laughs> anyway, this was New Testament. And Paul was testifying as a matter of the principle of the character of God. If he denies, if we deny him, he will deny us, but he will not deny himself. Why did she do that? Simple. 20,000 pounds is a lot of money. One of the things I want to teach, I'm writing on it now, is for Christians to understand. To follow Jesus is a mad thing. You first have to die to self, otherwise you can't follow him. Along the line, we'll talk about baptism. The day you are baptized, know that they took away your degree, your certificate, your ambitions, your brain, washed away in the water, and the new life in Christ Jesus comes out. After that, you don't need anything again. What God is doing to you by the principle of baptism is that he's saying, henceforth, money can't move you. What was I trying to explain? Listen, what's most important for a young Christian man or woman to know is that this fellow a true believer. Listen, a genuine believer that's not nice, 
Let me quickly, let's talk about marriage small. Eh? Solomon said, charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. King James says, favor is deceitful. Alright? He said, but the woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. You know what that means? Is that what charm or favor I want to talk about? All these arguments we have, if the man is nice, that is what the Bible calls charm. That girl is very homely. She's very, very nice. She will greet you very, very well. It's what the Bible calls charm. It's what King James calls favor. That no matter how well you describe a person, male or female, how good the fellow's character looks like, you know what the Bible says? It is deceitful. He's not saying it is not good. Let me give you an example. Assuming that you never met me before, I came here, I borrowed the Bentley from Hush Poppy, I brought it over here. <laughs> Why are they laughing? Uh-huh. Hmm. I collected his latest iPhone, I come down wearing those heavy rings, Gucci all over the place. Let me ask you a question. All right? Why did they all laugh like that? They are surprised Pastor Parkin knows Hush Puppy or what? Who doesn't know Hush Puppy? At least I know that he frees. The Lord is good. Let us assume that I come without Bentley. I'm, wearing, I'm using the best phones. I'm wearing the finest clothes. Let me ask you a question. Is there any evil in the clothes I have? Wearing fine clothes is a sin. Let me ask you, with all the righteousness in you, which one do you prefer? A 1978-504 or a, 2010, a 2020 Bentley? Which one do you prefer? Assuming that God will maintain both of them for you. Which one do you prefer? <laughs> Don't lie now. Tell the truth. 2020 Bentley. Amen. In case the Lord is saying that, give that one you have to pass the bank it. Just come and see whether I will collect it or not. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. So, I come out of the car looking too nice. Let me ask, look, let, there's no catch to it. Does it say anything about whether I'm rich or poor? You never met me before. You just saw me coming down. Can you judge whether I'm rich or Really? Your brain is working. No, 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 no. I mean, your brain is working, I mean, no. No, listen to it carefully. Can you tell whether this man is rich or poor by the car he came out of? No, you don't know who wants it. I said that by telling you I borrowed it. You forgot that part of it. I did that deliberately. I borrowed it. So if you see a man come down, you don't know. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let's be honest. Hush puppy, is he rich or poor? No, no, I mean, again, let's talk in, okay, maybe, okay, let me answer it. Now that you know the truth, is he rich or poor? Poor. So all the pictures he posted on social media, does that say anything about whether he's truly rich or poor? No. Because by the time Americans are done with you, you will know your true state in life. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. What I'm going to say all of this is that all those external things are what? Deceitful. That's what I'm going to explain. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm even happy that I created a bit of confusion. Because that's what happens in life. You saw me, you never met me before. I came down out of a bent. You don't know whether I own it or not. Then you sell your soul. You abandon, and women have done this. They abandon their husbands to go with me. Only to discover later that the car is not even his own. 
I bring you to their, to, her, to their house a few times. This girl was about to get married. She sees my Bentley. She abandons this guy that she has known for the last three years. Because she thinks, in fact, there's one joke. There's one joke with her that was circulated sometimes. I think it's a joke. It was, it's a real joke. One guy, he said he was in church. A lady's phone fell. They were both in church. And it bent as a nice guy to help her pick it up. And as she turned it, the la- you know, a text message just came in. And it was a credit alert for like six million naira. You know this kind of thing? You just flash on the screen. So he saw it and gave it to the girl. He looked at the girl and said, Omo, this girl's get which kind of six million naira credit alert is this one? He said, ha, 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 ha. Anyway, looked at the girl. Now, single girl, him be single guy. Begin pursue the girl. I don't know why I read the joke that time. Pursue this girl within a few months. And the girl to say, God has answered my prayer. Nice bro for church. Within a few months, they had married. Then shortly, one of those days, shortly after, that is a few first, the first few days of their marriage, the phone rang again, you know, alert came again. Boom, eight million naira, something like that. And the girl said, hey, now wow. I told my auntie not to use my phone for her alert. Don't she, that, he said what? He said, my auntie, she lives abroad. She opened an account in Nigeria. She's a businesswoman. So she didn't have a Nigerian number that time. She just used my... my, my um, my number. So, far, so the bank has been sending alerts on my phone. I don't know what is wrong with this bank. I have told her to come back home and change it. The guy said, eh? <laughs> eh? Eh? Can you see what I'm saying? So outward appearance can be what? Deceitful. Now that's what the Bible, when they say favor, if you use the King James, if you use my Bible, it says charm is deceitful. That's what it was saying. That no matter how nice somebody is, it's deceitful. He said beauty. Eh, eh, eh. Let's not discuss that one. He never said charm is vanity. He says what? Deceitful. The reason is because charm in itself, favor in itself, is good. The only thing that he misleads. He said beauty. Hmm. He said if you are looking at that one, you are not normal. He said, beauty is what? Vain. Vain means it is not even worth considering. It should not be discussed. It shouldn't form anything. It shouldn't confuse you. You should look at it and not remember it again. He said, it is what? Vain. Vanity. And one of the meanings of vanity is that they sell them. Vanity. It means you can buy it with money. Don't you see before or after? Let me tell you the truth. You don't see, it has been said, you don't see with your eyes. You see through your eyes. What determines how you assess things depends on what is inside your mind. There's nothing like beauty outside. Beauty is where? Inside. That's why Englishman said it's in the eye of the beholder. But the world is so crazy. And just by the way, for young women who may be listening to this, the wrong, the wrong guest place, wrong guest of the wrong guest places, to follow beautiful people is on Instagram. Social media generally is an extremely wrong place. You don't go there. You know why? Instagram is a is a is a it was built was built on 
Fakeness. What's the English word for fakeness? Was built on falsehood. They have filters. You can decide what you want to look like. One day I saw something. Some people were yapping Kim Kardashian. Do you know why? When they, she took a picture, and the man who did the Photoshop made two pictures. In one of the pictures, her hand was in her hair. Do you understand? I don't know where I get my point. So when he finished, he had her two hands out like this. He forgot to remove the one in her hair. <laughs> so this was put on Instagram. So the yabis now started. How can this girl have three hands? It was a mistake. Now, for those who do Photoshop, they spent hours on that one photo. They must have shot a lot. Took the best of each of the shots, made it together. But unfortunately for them, in one, her hand was inside her hair. They removed the arm, forgot to remove the tips of the fingers, and they were showing under the hair. And it had gone out. I was telling my wife yesterday, we discussed that. We don't even know whether Kim Kardashian is really fine or not, because we have never seen her. Have you ever seen her? I lie. Even when they take pictures in their casual moments, they prepare for the casual moment. You prepare, do you know the point? I, one guy wrote something, posted, uh, you know, I, I saw it somewhere. Today. Somebody told him that if you want to go far in life, don't follow those who flaunt their wealth, but don't flaunt the source of their income. He said instantly, he started listening to the people he decided to unfollow. So he started following hairdressers, carpenters, programmers, anybody that is working. He started following them on social media. He said since that time, his body had calmed down. So every morning he wakes up, he sees their updates. He's, I just saw this shit. As I'm showing it, a client is waiting. So he's realized that men boys, they hustle. A man got up and said, I'm paying my driver 700,000 naira a month. His PR manager said, go and tell your father to come and take a job. He didn't have enough sense. It's very easy for him to be having pastors. He did not have enough sense to ask, bros, how can you afford to pay a man driving you 700,000 a month? Please don't, don't allow your life to be dictated. I'm talking to young people. Don't, social media is a wrong place. You know what David said? He said, the godly ones of this earth, they are my heroes. He said, the godly ones, they are my heroes. Don't let your life be dictated by social media people. They are a bunch of liars. They lie as a habit. They lie to get followers. And they even buy the followers. Don't you get the advert? Follow me, I guarantee you 10,000 followers in two weeks. I get it also. Lizzo, I'm just explaining something. Let me get back to my main message. That's, that's an aside. So when he says charm, what he's trying to say is this. All those out- outward things, they can deceive. No, even though in themselves they are good, and a good person should have them. Beauty, he said, we are not discussing it. That is total vanity. He said, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. That's why we went to all of that. Okay? What was he trying to say? And that's the point I'm going to make here. That a true believer, no matter how nice he is not, I hope you're getting my point. See, I'm a man, so I, let me come from our perspective. Young ladies, if you find a man that's not nice, are you getting my point? He's not rich yet. You know, some people are not nice. It's your, it's your birthday, he will forget. And when you remind him, he tells you what special thing happened that day. 
that the whole world should come to an end. You've not met men like that. He's wondering what kind of things. He said, no, 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 Angela, I understand that this love affair is good, praise God, but listen, you can't be right, you know, disturbing my peace like this because of I forgot your birthday. I'm telling I've told you I'm sorry. It's a birthday for goodness sake. Was it Jesus I was born that day? Are you look like, do you really want to marry? And some lady said, lie, lie. I will never marry him. Don't be stupid. You can't judge a man because of that. It's the best day. Yeah, he's right. Where did you see Mary? Do better in the Bible. <laughs> Those are not important things. He said, does he open the door for me? He's in a hurry. He forgot you were following him. <laughs> he's in a hurry. He saw you cry. He did not ask you why you are crying. He didn't see it. There's a proverb in Western Nigeria. They say it's only when you look at the wife's eyes, face, you know the wife is crying. Well, if you are busy, you won't notice. Can you see the kind of man I've described for you? All of you are rejecting him in Jesus' name. I reject him. I reject him. I reject him. And understand that he's not nice. But listen to me, ladies. If he fears God, if he fears God, I don't know whether you're getting my point. There are things that, that are called the fear of God. The woman who fears the Lord, he was talking about women there, but it applies to all of us believers. She shall be praised. If that guy truly fears God, please, I'm begging you, overlook all these deficiencies. Overlook them. Do you know why? We're talking about reconciliation with God. If somebody is truly reconciled to God, he can only be moving upwards. I'm telling you, by next year, he will remember your birthday. He'll remember the first day he met you. He'll remember the day he proposed to you. He'll remember the day you said yes. He will now remember your wedding anniversary. Five things in a year, only about you. Day one, it wasn't like that. He was not nice. Listen, his father was not nice. Where would he learn it from? You think that this guy is not good? Go and ask his father. His father used to slap people, including his mother. So he's not beating you now. You should be thanking God that the, God is working in his life. You are saying, I don't remember my birthday. If he, if he gives his father's character, he will go back and kill the birthday so that nobody will ever have to think about birthdays. But because God has worked in him, he has left that position. You are meeting a man who's on a path towards true godliness. I hope you're getting my point. And you want to remember my birthday. God said, Sis, eh? forget your birthday. You will remember everything later. We are still training him. You say, are you perfect? I hope you're getting my point here. Some people want to tell you, you want to ask for counsel, you see, is, is that what your problem is? Is that what your problem is? I remember what I told one lady once, she was getting married to my friend. I said, let me just, I said, I know this guy, let me just tell you ahead. He won't wash plates for you. He won't wash the bathroom. He won't scrub the house. I said, I'm just letting you know because I have lived with him before. He does not know how to do these things. I wasn't trying to scare her. I was just trying to tell her to get ready. That you're married a guy. He's a nice guy. He's hardworking. He loves the Lord. But all these household chores, my husband does not wash my pants. He will not. <laughs> what I was just trying to say, all right, is that just manage him like that. After some time, he will improve. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's, that was the point I'm not, I'm not Listen, please, don't get me wrong. People have quoted me wrongly before. I mean, people have quoted me that uh, Pastor Banker said we don't need nice guys. That was what I said, but not the way you are saying it. 
What I said is this. We don't make our decisions based on charm. I've heard stories of people. You see, there's something I tell people. Yeah, listen. I tell my wife, you know, when we're talking, a man like me, eh? if I decide to chase a young woman, hmm? it's only God that will deliver her. That is, you have to ask. Do, do you know the reason? I'll tell you. I, I know why I'm telling you this. Having been married for 20, almost 21 years, you can't say 20 years now, of course. By December, amen, 21. Thank you. <laughs> I know everything you need to do to make a woman think of you all the time. Yes. <laughs> Even if we are not doing it, just because we are angry, we don't want to do it. But we know them. Chooks, is that not true? Yes. Sometimes it's hard to do. But we know it. Amen? That's why you see small, small girls, they'll be falling for old men. It's not, look, the, the, the old man, listen. And then, thank God for small change in the hand. Some money she calls breakthrough is full money for us. You say, ah, if you just tell me, say, ah, I don't have a recharge card. I transfer 10,000 to your, to, to your, to your, to your phone. And I will not even feel that there was a lot, the debit alert will not register. <laughs> That's a stupid girl who don't know. And I say, ah, he loves, he doesn't love you. He's manipulating you. It's not love. It's manipulation. We know it. We know. And, oh God. Ah, 21 years of marriage. What I, I've learned it. I know. I know how not to talk. I know how to talk. I know. Oh, it's experience. See, let me just, just by the way, that's why you have to follow certain principles of godliness in life. You have to follow them. Just by the way, let me just quickly say something to you. A lot of times, God doesn't tell you that man is deceptive. He won't. He said, just follow your principles of godliness. You are safe. He said, just follow your principles of godliness. As an example, the kind of man I was, I'm describing now, if, as you're a young woman, you find out he's married, just forget it. I hope you get my point. Let him dash you 10,000 pounds. Forget it. Do you get my principle? <laughs> I, I've seen stories before. People that have been manipulated by experienced men. Manipulated. And, oh, God, I, I can't leave that matter in case a young woman is listening to me. Let me tell you the truth. As a child of God, you are very valuable. You are, you are made of, you, you are, see, your size is as if you have your whole body and more. It's pure, rare diamond. One Tanzanian man, the other, they found two stones. And he made $15 million. Is that not $15 million? Is that about? Two stones. They said that the, the stones are gemstones called Tanzanite. Only found in Tanzania. Very rare. It says one of the rarest gemstones on the earth. Two like this. Now imagine your whole body, your finger, everything is Tanzanite. Coated with diamond. Think of yourself like that. What am I going to say? If a man dashes you a million dollars, you are more expensive than that. That's what I'm going to say. Don't sell yourself to anybody for whatever he wants to give. Because that is what men use. That's what they use. I mean, first like this term is deceitful. Listen, it is deceitful. 
one who fears God eventually will learn those things. You know, I said that at the beginning, the Bentley is good. Remember that? The charm in itself is good, but just that it's deceitful. What you need is someone who fears God. The principle about the fear of God is that it puts you on a particular trajectory. You are only going up. You are not going down. But once a man, no matter how nice he is today, when he does not fear God, when he does not fear God, please, ladies, never marry, and men too, never marry a man that doesn't fear God. Never marry a woman that does not fear God. I've heard of men beating their wives with iron rod. Did you hear what I said? Not a slap. Bend down, pick. I don't mean wire. I mean a straight rod of iron. Until the woman ran out of the house naked. Listen to me. When the spirit of God is absent from somebody's life, go and read the story of Saul. Saul started with a lot of zeal in his heart in Israel. By the time Saul was done, because he no longer had the spirit of God, he went to a whole village filled up with priests of God. Priests of God. They did nothing wrong. David came there and he said, and he said to them, the king sent me on an errand. So I can't say I'm in a hurry. Do you have some food? They said, well, if we only have consecrated bread. So he said, uh, they asked a few questions. They gave him to eat. Do you have any weapon? He said, only the one of Goliath. They gave it to him and he left. They knew nothing. Saul heard that that happened. He got there. Where is David? He, 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 you sent him on an errand. Now he, he was here. He said, he didn't send him anywhere. He said, well, he told us he was running your errand. Saul said, you are my enemies. He had all of them slaughtered in his presence. Get my point. The priest of God. That is what happens when a man does no longer have the spirit of God. He's nice today. Listen. If he gets possessed by the spirit that can possess somebody who is not united with God, you will run. Charm is deceitful. See that smile they are using to attract you today, man. A woman that does not fear God. One day you will, when she turns that smile to fangs of a serpent, you will go mental. You, sometimes they say a man did something, he beat, he killed his wife. Kiniko, Kiniko. <laughs> I said, very wicked man. I don't think he should kill his wife. But in my mind, I said, <laughs> by the time a man carries a gun, cocks and shoots a wife he has married for eight years, which they do a lot in America. Just know he's had it up to here. He will kill the woman and call the police and wait outside. When police come, he puts up his hand. What happened? She's inside. I killed her. Why? Forget. There's no need for why. Guilt. Are you going to plead guilty? Of course I'm guilty. Where do I sign? That is what happens when somebody who doesn't have the spirit of God has finished with you. So that's why when I'm counseling young people, say, listen, forget this, the guy is nice. The guy is nice. We know where they buy niceness. He can bite. He can bite. The woman is very, very, forget all of those things. The Bible says the one who fears God 
Do you know why? Because once you have been reconciled with God, there's only one option. That's upward motion. I started by the fact that he doesn't remember your birthday. Within a few years, he will remember every day of your life. You, I'm telling you, you will feel his thoughts. He will think of you every day. One day I said something to my students, they were laughing. Somebody saw my phone one day. I said, ah, you are still using your wife as a, a screen, a screen in this thing, a display image. Anyway, you know what I mean, the home screen. I said, yes. He said, I thought by now you have changed to that of the children. I said, because of what? I have their picture here and there. I said, but the main photo. I said, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. And it's right, all that is shall be added. How can I use the addition to replace the kingdom? Does it make sense? I said, no. Sunday, I was talking to my students. They, they saw my phone and stuff like that. Hey, your wife, I said, children, I said, which children? This one that will come one day and tell me, say, daddy, I met Angela, I want to marry. I will send him away. And that will come, we say, they, 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 uh, uh, the girl will come and say, somebody wants to see you, daddy. They don't want to check who enter my house, carry my daughter, come on. And then I will, be, I will now be left alone. God forbid, but. From now, let us know who is temporary, who is permanent. <laughs> ah, it's true now. Did I say to my students were laughing? And I wasn't joking. Though. I said, eh, wait. I said, oh, my children should get it clear. They are staying in the house. It's temporary. Very, very. We don't need countdown. If, if not for COVID, you know. The Lord is good. The day I said it there, eh? one of my sisters looked at me and said, you're a good man. I said, no, I'm not a good man. This is how life is supposed to be. I said, this is how life is supposed to be. And I'm not pretending. You know. I said, this is how life is supposed to be. Forget, forget this. My children are most important to me. is a lie. They, are not, they know. Ask them afterwards. Everybody gets your own importance. I'm not saying, look, you guys don't go home and go and leave rebellion in the house. After me, that because some of them didn't say, Did you hear what that he said? He said, We are not important. I didn't say so. <laughs> what I'm just saying, the importance get level. Some people are more important than the others. That's all I'm saying. That's all, I'm, that, that's all I've said. Is that, have I said anything more than that? Uh-huh. I'm not saying, My fingers are important, amen? Are they important? Mm-hmm. My ear, this outside ear, is it important? Good. But is anyone in there as important as my liver? So, so, don't feel bad, all right? You are very important in your own way, amen? And then one day you also will discover the importance we are talking about. God will give you, God will give you importance somewhere, amen? <laughs> now, what I'm going to say, that is what happens to the man who fears God. Yes, he forgot your birthday. He didn't buy you things those days. He will get better. Why? Because the spirit of God inside him. When the Bible says the path of the just like the light of dawn, that's part of what he was saying. That's part of what he was trying to say. That is, yes, he's not nice today. You see him in five years' time. He's nicer than he, that is you could ever have imagined. After you have married him for 20 years, he's an embodiment of niceness. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in him. 
Because the seed of Christ dwells in him. Because he's united with God. That is why, if you're a single man, single woman, the first question you must ask is that this man who is chasing me about, this woman who I'm looking at, I'm interested in, is the fellow's face genuine. That's what that's important. Every other thing can be corrected. Every other thing can improve if the faith is genuine. Who? Have you noticed something? We've not gotten to the what's the salvation in Romans chapter 8. Alright. It's good like that. The Lord is good. The book of Romans chapter 8. What I was trying to explain in all of these things is simple. And that's the fact that God attacks rebellion because that is where evil starts from. Rebellion is what begets evil. So when God wants to solve a problem, what he does is to reunite us with God. Let me quickly say something to you before we read it. Okay, let's read this this one. Uh, I wanted to read a long portion, but because of time, let me break it somewhere and take the very verse that I want. Okay, let's just start from verse 26, okay? In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. That's not a very nice way to break, but I can't get another place. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There's a lot of background to that, but time will not let us go back to it now, all right? Let me just read where I want. Verse 28 now. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he will be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called, And this whom he called, he also justified. And this whom he justified, he also glorified. Now I want you to look at something here. I'm going to stop reading here for now. What I want to bring out from here is this issue that Paul was explaining to us here. That God has a purpose. And that is that we will be conformed to the image of his son. Can you see that? Whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. You know, I thought about something. That was what took me to this particular um, verse. I was meditating. And I remember this verse, so I went there. This was not the one I really planned to use initially. Like I said last time, what I wanted to start teaching again today is to explain um, the three stages of salvation. Which again, because of time, we'll pick it up next time. There are three stages of salvation. The first stage we said last time is what? reconciliation. And that's how I said everything I said up to this particular point, just that I just got stuck there. The first thing God does is to reconcile us with himself. Because in rebellion, we went our own way. And once you go your own way, you can end anywhere. Now, while I was meditating, something came to my mind. I believe it's the Holy Spirit. So what do we call heaven, really? That is, all of us want to live in heaven. What do you mean when we say heaven is on earth? That is like earth becoming like heaven. 
Many of us think that heaven is about the streets of gold. Now, I say it all the time, that if heaven was really a matter of gold, there has to be a physical place. I really don't think it's a physical, I mean, like, it's not of this flesh. That's what I mean. It's not a physical place like the flesh here that, that we are dealing with wood and stuff. So the gold there also, I don't think is literal. Now, what is heaven really? Does heaven exist as a place? Of course. See, let me just say something to you. Don't think heaven is a cloud. Apart from heaven, God will create a new heaven and a new earth. Now, what will mark the new heaven and the new earth is what I want to talk about. Now, don't think about heaven as a cloud. Heaven is more real than this place. If your resurrection body, this is my explanation I use all the time, and good enough, I'm using this. This, this is pure mahogany, all right? This is our pulpit. It's pure mahogany. And it's hardwood, very hardwood. It's been, we have had it from the beginning. And it's still strong like this. So it's hardwood. Assuming I was here in my glorified body, all right? And I tried to rest on this. My hand will pass through. Do you know why? Because it is too soft. I don't know whether you got what I said here. Now, this is hardwood, right? Let's assume it's not hardwood. Assume it is foam. If I try to rest on foam, what happens? It will indent. Let's assume it's styrofoam and it's thin. If I try to rest on it, what happens? It breaks. My hand will pass through. I will almost fall over. Now, even though this is mahogany, compared to the glorified body of the saints, it's like styrofoam. So if I came here with my glorified body, as I'm pacing up and down here, I could walk through this and not even realize it is there. Because I'm operating a different frequency. The molecules in my glorified body, they operate a different dimension that will make this not an obstruction. They don't even have to break it. If you break it, it's an obstruction. I don't know whether I get my point. I don't know whether you got that point. Listen, let me teach you something about bullets. If I take a rifle, do you understand? We have a glass. This whole wall is glass. You know that. If I had a rifle and I pass and at this range, I shoot through that glass. Who knows what will happen? Who can tell me? It will pass through. I know, but what will it happen? What happened to the glass? It will not shatter. A lot of you don't know. If it's a rifle, it won't shatter. It will puncture a hole in it and keep going. If it shatters it, it is slow. If I take a shotgun, you know a shotgun. And I go, boom, it will shatter it. But rifles don't shatter glass. They are too fast. They pierce a hole in it neatly. You look closely at the hole, you see small scratches at the edges. You know why? It's running too fast. Like one man said in one book I read long ago, said they are too much in a hurry to have time to shatter the glass. It's only the slow ones that shatter. Just to teach you some things. That's one of the things, we, one of the jobs I, I've had to do Different times, if somebody is short, you have to decide the kind of bullet. So we look for entry wound, exit wound. And you see, where it enters from, it is human skin, it disappears. If it's a dark person, you won't see it. It punctures a hole like a pin. A whole bullet. It will puncture a hole like a pin and, and keep going. But as it's passing through the human tissue, it starts slowing down. So when it wants to come out on the other side, it blows the place open. Because it has become slow. The molecules in the resurrection body does not consider this an, a, an obstruction. It will walk through it and leave it intact. 
That was why Jesus would walk through walls. After resurrection, you lock the door. You are afraid of uh, soldiers. He just walks through the wall. If you like, make it on conc- of concrete. He doesn't think. He doesn't have to struggle. Going, I'm the son of God. This concrete, you are going to yield. No, he walks through like nothing there. Yet his body was real. Bear that in. Listen, what I've told you is physics. I'm not teaching you is the mythical religion. No. These are real things. So heaven is a real place. Bear it in mind. But that's not my message. My main message I want to bring out to you is this. What really makes heaven heaven? Why can heaven come to the earth? Let me tell you the truth. It's just one thing. The kind of people that live there. That is what makes heaven, heaven. That's why a home can be heaven. Are we getting my point? That's why a country, if we could do it, can be heaven. If you produce Christ's images in everybody living there, it becomes heaven. Two things. One, first they have the ambience of heaven. Then over time, the physical thing starts conforming to the image of the people that live there. That is why God created this earth to filter out every form of evil. Because no matter how good a place it is, if you produce, if you take people there who don't have godliness in them, it might take a few generations, they will destroy it. I hope you're getting my point here. It will take a few generations, but the place is going down. So what God did is this. Listen, before you pass from this earth to his heaven, or for you to qualify to live in the new heaven and the new earth, he has to ensure that you have become an image of Christ Jesus. Then when he puts you there, the place is heaven permanently. I hope you're getting my point here. So how does God produce, I was talking about home. How does God produce heaven at home? is to make everybody in the home Christ-like. It's unfortunate that Christians go and be buying books on psychology to try and run marriage. It doesn't work. You eat some bread, like Adam will get some bread, when he struggles, sweat of your brow, wake up in the morning, this is how to speak to your wife, this is how you speak to your husband. You buy flour on her birthday, you do this one, you do that one. You start learning methods. And it's hard because each individual is struggling. But if you were to produce Christ in each individual, that home becomes automatically heaven. So we Christians, what are we supposed to do? If we want peace at home, it is not about methods. It's about development of Christ in each individual. Let me advise all of you husbands and wives too. I'm not trying to pump Kingdom World Ministries. But please, the things you are listening to, make sure your wife listens to them too. Do you hear what I said? Even if your wife can't come, come for Bible study, you carry Bible study home. Take the messages. You say, chop. Because if there's one heaven man and one non-heaven person, you have not created heaven. I hope you're getting my point. Look, especially husbands, don't even imagine that you can leave your wife behind. It's not good for you. 
No, please, I'm begging you. Don't even think about it. Understand that whatever you are learning, you should be feeding it to your wife. I was talking to my wife yesterday about something, you know. I said, no, no, no. So, so man, it's not about, uh, my wife is busy. I said, okay, wait, wait. I know you are busy. So how do we do it? Okay, you are on duty the time I'm going to Bible study, there's no problem. I will book the CD. Eh? Then we will sit down together and hear it again together. For everything I know, please, you must know it all. The peace that God is building inside me, it must build inside you too. Because I can't be, you know, I can't be struggling against life outside. I'll still be struggling against you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The way to end that struggle, let us be moving together. I want to say something. <laughs> it sounds, it's funny, right? Turn down to, in quote, fight. So I'm not talking to you until you're listening to that message. You know the kind of thing I, I, I do, you know? Pastor came to give me some message yesterday by Pastor Delvan. I listened to one yesterday night. Caleb Ozuzo. On the blood. Yes. Yes. Instantly, I started sharing the message. I'm, so, I'm sure I said now, at least if it's bad, 400 people have received it from my sharing. If it's bad, that is, that is, I just said, Kai, Christians must hear this. It's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, right? You can look for it. It's, on, it's a communion message on the blood. Well, if you listen to the message, in fact, you know how I describe it? I said it's one hour of rapid machine gun fire. The point I'm just trying to make is that what makes heaven, heaven, is not the structure. It's the people. What makes heaven, heaven, is not the material things. It is the people. So when God wanted to create heaven, you know what he did? You are getting my, my, my train of thought? He said, let us create the people that can make heaven, heaven. So how do I do that? I will make them into the image of Jesus Christ. So the first thing that he does is to reconcile us to himself. So what Jesus came to do was to reconcile us with the Father. I hope you're getting my point. Listen, remember our problem became from what? It started from where? Rebellion. Each one went his own way. Solution is what? Reconciliation. That is what is called, that's what we commonly call salvation. But if you read the Bible, salvation is used three ways. First, Reconciliation. That's why I said, having been reconciled, we will, we will be saved. Second is a progressive transformation. Remember that husband we were talking about? Initially, he was not, no charm in him at all. Remember that? But I said that he will become progressively transformed until he becomes a man that's full of the favor of the charm thing that we're talking about. That is what we call what? Progressive sanctification. Then finally, a time will come that I will have a kind of body. You will have a kind of body that cannot be tempted. You have a kind of body that cannot be moved. A kind, what do you want to use to test, test that body? Is it glory? It's full of it already. Is it hunger? It doesn't feel, the body does not feel any hunger. The glory of God is the food that it feeds on. I hope you're getting my point. That is the same body that Jesus acquired after resurrection. A time will come that every single one of us will have that same body. The time is coming. The time is coming. There are two ways. Some 
we sleep, the Bible says, then at the coming of the Lord Jesus, they will be raised up again from the dead. Some will not even see death. Jesus will come, and in the, in, in the twinkling of an eye, they will be changed. They will be transformed. Those two things, that's what we mean by the glorification, or what we now call the final salvation. That's why you hear that angels minister for those who are heirs of salvation, or those who will inherit salvation. That's why you hear things like, now has salvation come. Ah, so all this why were we not saved? For time's sake, we can't go into all of those scriptures now. You now hear that now salvation has come. Those are the three different phases that we have to go through to attain to God's eternal plan, which is that we'll become the exact copies of Jesus Christ. What makes heaven heaven is that everybody there is exactly like Jesus. That is really what makes heaven heaven. And that is why it is possible to have a bit of heaven on the earth. It's possible. That's why it's possible to have a bit of heaven in your home. Please, don't try and learn how to please your husband for the sake of pleasing a man. Learn how to become like Jesus Christ. Don't learn how to be nice to your wife for the sake of making a woman happy. Learn to become exactly like Jesus Christ. And when you are training the children, please, your aim is not to train them to take over your company. Let me tell some of us who are thinking of such ideas. But now your children are ready. They will create companies big. I, I, I'm trying to think of Mark Zuckerberg taking over his father's company. Because the man is selling soya, soya milk and uh, or, or he owns Coca-Cola. You know those kind of things. I'm just trying to imagine it. Listen, your children, God, through their hands, create things that you have never imagined. You know, people are building houses that uh, my son will inherit this one. And I laugh. Let me just tell you the truth. Eh? If you are rich and you are thinking, don't worry about it. What did I say? You know what I found out? Only failures of children take those houses. That they will now come back for what? If God really blesses them. But it, they can't even wait. I don't know whether you are getting my point. They can't. They can't. If God really blesses them, they will not even be there. If God really, so don't worry yourself saying, I'm building this house for my children. No. Build the house you like. Build it very big so that when they come, they have where to stay. But not that they will not be able to build their own. It's the one you have built for them. Have you not been to GRA? Many of those houses are empty. The children are in every place. Some of them are even refugees where they are. The house is not helping them at all. What I'm going to emphasize is this, please. To bring everything into the homes. Don't worry about those material things about the children. What you need is that concern yourself about building Christ in them. There was something that Paul said. He said, my little children, for whom I travel again in birth, until Christ is formed in you. Adapt that to your home. Your primary concern should be that you will travel in birth for this primary concern that Christ is formed in each one of those children. I have another agenda as a person. I've realized that my children, and it's, anyway, I just said it's not only for me, it's all of us. My children are not only the ones that are born naturally by my wife. Anybody who pays attention to the things that I say, they are one of them. What am I going to say? I have a concern, therefore. And I'm not lying, I'm not trying to brag anything. I, that, when I pray, it's one prayer point I have all the time. Lord, these words that I'm speaking, 
anyone who pays attention to them. Let your spirit ride upon those words and impart your life into them. Seriously. So you know what Paul said? I have not withheld anything that I know from you. I taught you morning, afternoon, and night. As a result, I'm innocent of every man's blood. Now what I'm going to say, so I have, a, I have an assignment therefore to pour out every truth I know. No, in audio messages, video messages, written materials, here and there. Why? So that Christ can be formed in the homes, or let me put it like this, so that heaven can be produced in the homes of everybody that listens to me through the formation of Christ in their lives. That's what real heaven is. But the first thing God does is what? Reconcile us to himself, then begins to develop Christ in us on a daily basis. Let me say this as I close. Don't worry your head over can you lose your salvation? That argument is unnecessary. You know why? Are you planning to lose it? Okay, let me ask you a question. Assuming that it's not possible to lose your salvation. Okay? Let us assume it is so. So will you not get up tomorrow and say, because I can't lose my salvation, I'll become an arm robber. Because I can't lose my salvation, I'll become a fraud. Because I can't lose my salvation, I'll start, I'll become an adulterer. No, because there's a purpose that God is trying to work. Whether you lose your salvation or not, or not, you are thwarting the purpose if Christ is not progressively being formed in you on a daily basis. And who will want to frustrate the counsel of God like that? Let's bow down our heads. Let me leave it there. Oh. Oh. Give the Lord thanks because he's forming you. Through you is bringing heaven into your home. Through you is bringing heaven onto this earth. And because of you, there will be a heaven for all of us to stay in eternally. Give the Lord thanks this evening. Say, Lord, thank you. Because I, you foreknew. You predestinated. You predestined me to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Say, I yield myself again to you, Lord. Walk in me till Jesus is produced in me.